Chapter 15 of Haworth's. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stevens. Haworth's by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Chapter 15. It would be a good thing. Exciting events were not so common in Broxton and its vicinity that this one could remain in the background. It furnished a topic of conversation for the dinner and tea-tables of every family within ten miles of the place. On Murdoch's next visit to the Briarleys, Granny Dixon insisted on having the matter explained for the fortieth time, and she was manifestly disgusted by the lack of dramatic incident connected with it. "'I see the dress catch at the wheel and dragged her back!' she shouted. "'Was there not else?' Did she swooned away, or nothing? No, he answered. She did not know what had happened at first. Granny Dixon gave him a shrewd glance of examination, and then favoured him with a confidential remark presented at the top of her voice. I can't abide her, she said. What did Mr. French say to thee? asked Janey. Dost thou think he'll give thee out for it? No, answered Murdoch. He won't do that. He out her, said Janey fretfully, and thou out to tack it if he does. Thou does not think an hour the money and the like. You'll never get on top of the world if you make light of money and let it slip by you. Floxham had told the story somewhat surlily to his friends, and his friends had retailed it over their beer, and the particulars had thus become common property. What did she say? Floxham had remarked at the first relation. She said nout. That's what she said. She did not quite make the thing out at first, and she stood there brushing the black off her sleeve. Happen. Sardonically. She did not like the notion of working chap catching Howard on her without apologising. Howarth asked Murdoch to spend an evening with him, and sat moody and silent through the greater part of it. At last he said, You think you've been devilishly bad treated, he said, but by the Lord, I wish I was in your place. You wish? repeated Murdoch, that you are in my place. I didn't know that it's a particularly pleasant place to be in. Howarth leaned forward upon the table and stared across at him gloomily. Look here, he said. You know naught about her. She's hard to get at. But she'll remember what's happened. Cool as she took it. She'll remember it. I don't want her to remember it, returned Murdoch. Why should it matter? It's a thing of yesterday. It was nothing but chance. Let it go. "'Confound it!' said Howarth, with arrestive moroseness. "'I tell you I'd wish I'd been in your place at twice the risk.' The same day Mr. French had made a visit to the works, for the purpose of setting his mind at rest and expressing his gratitude in a graceful manner. In fact, he was rather glad of the opportunity to present himself upon the ground so soon again. But on confronting the hero of the hour, he found that somehow the affair dwindled, and assumed an altogether incidental and unheroic aspect. His rather high-flown phrases modified themselves and took a different tone. "'He is either very reserved or very shy,' he said afterward to his daughter. "'It's not easy to reach him at the outset. There seems to be a lack of enthusiasm about him, so to speak.' "'Will he come to the house?' asked Miss French. "'Oh, yes, I suppose he will come, but it was very plain that he would rather have stayed away.' He had too much good taste to refuse point-blank to let you speak to him. "'Good taste!' repeated Miss French. 
her father turned upon her with manifest irritation good taste he repeated petulantly cannot you see that the poor fellow is a gentleman i wish you would show less of this nonsensical caste prejudice rachel i suppose one necessarily dispenses with a good deal of it in a place like this she answered in making friends with mr howarth for instance mr french drew nearer to her and rested his elbow upon the mantel with a rather embarrassed expression i wish you to to behave well to howarth he said faltering i a great deal may depend upon it she looked up at him lifting her eyes in a serene glance do you want to go into the iron trade she asked relentlessly he blushed scarlet but she did not move her eyes from his face on that account what what howarth needs he stammered is a, a man of education to, to to assist him a man who had studied the scientific features of things might suggest valuable ideas to him there's an an immense field open to a rich enterprising fellow such as he is a man who is fearless and who has the means to carry out his ventures you mean a man who will try to do new things she remarked do you think he would the trouble has been floundering more hopelessly than ever that his lack of cultivation has well has forced him to act in a single groove if he had a partner who knew the ropes so to speak his business would be doubled trebled she repeated aloud one of his words a partner she said he ran his hand through his hair and stared at her wishing that he could think of something decided to say does he know you would like to be his partner she asked next uh, no he faltered not exactly she sat a moment looking at the fire i do not believe he would do it she said at last he is too proud of having done everything single-handed then she looked at her father again if he would she said and there were no rash ventures made it would be a good thing end of chapter fifteen